Hi guys, it's Victor. Thanks for tuning in to season two of my show. And if you like what you hear, subscribe. Thanks. Phone ringing off the hook. Got me a little shook. Who's on the line? And is this a sign? Call it what you want. Call me when you want. Call me what you want. Just don't call it too soon. Who are you again? Asking for a friend. I remember you if you remember me too. Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Are You Again? Today, I'll be chatting with one of my favorite people. We go all the way back to 2009 or 2010. I think that's up for debate. And we have seen each other in absolutely disgusting states that I'm still a little honestly embarrassed by. But I miss her so much. And so it's really nice being able to finally catch up. Beth, how's it going? (laughs) It's good. I think it's 2009. I think we should stick with that one. Honestly, I was really thinking about it. And I was like, I definitely know we became friends later in my freshman year at Emory. But I'm like, we sure must have met before that. Yeah, I think we met when you came to visit Emory. Oh, I see. Yeah. That was Um, so long ago now. I know. I was thinking about that. Like, I got my COVID booster today, and it was like, when's your date of birth? So I filled that out, and then it goes, how old are you? I was like, oh, fuck, 31. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, do I have to write that down? So I actually got my COVID shot, my booster one as well, but I got it last week, and there were two girls that were ahead of me in lines, and when they were like, what's your birth date? One of them was like, 2002 the other one was like 1997 (laughs) I was like oh my god my sister brought me my cheerleading trophy from 1998 (laughs) and she told me that it had been in her car for a while and someone had found it and said 1998 I was born in 2000 (laughs) oh my god (laughs) I was like do I have to keep this like this just cements how old I am it's honestly horrifying like I I just keep thinking like there's no way you can be born in 2002 and be able to talk (laughs) I know you're a baby you're a baby but they're they're really not and we're just getting old I know like when I worked at the golf club in the restaurant I would check IDs and I'd be like you can't drink and I'd be like you can drink (laughs) it was wild I went to my grandpa. My grandpa turned, oh my God, I should know this. I almost said 90, <laughs> 98. I don't think he turned that old. I think, yeah, he turned 90 last year. And mm-hmm. one of my like distant family members, she was there and I pulled out a beer and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, I'm drinking this beer. And she's like, can you do that? are you old enough? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, yes, thank you. I've been <laughs> married. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was funny. Like when I was in rehab, I would tell people like, oh yeah, I'm 30 because I, I went before my 31st birthday. And they'd all be like, what? I thought you were in your 20s. And I'd be like, hard drugs did nothing. Oh my God. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, I gotta make a joke, right? I have to say, though, Beth, you, no matter, like, when I see you, either in person or online, like, you legitimately, to me, always look the same. Oh like, you, you do not age. I don't, though. And I'm not, like, saying that to, like, toot my own horn because I'm really bad at tooting my own horn. But, like, I'll find pictures of me in high school and I'll be like, look, and people are like, yeah, we can find you in that picture because you look the same. You really do. And, like, I don't know if you're doing anything on purpose, but I feel like it's not common, especially, this sounds really offensive, but I feel like it's not really common with, <laughs> with, with white people. No, you're going with that. So here's my skin routine. I wash it in the shower in the morning. Oh, okay. With off-brand whatever I can afford at the time. <laughs> you sound like me. So, so like, ladies who spend all that money on a skin routine, that's what you do. Oh, my God. I feel like uh, a, a cheap bitch because whenever <laughs> I get my hair cut, my friend Joey cuts my hair. And he'll ask me, like, what kind of conditioner do you use? And I'm like, um... I like know what the bottle looks like, but I, I can't. <laughs> I can't tell you the name of it. I don't know. <laughs> I, have no idea. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I know exactly where it is on the shelf. <laughs> oh my and God. I go to the same Walmart every time because, yeah, no, I don't. I don't do anything. But you know that, like, I'm jeans and t-shirt all the way. Like, I know that's like the classic Beth outfit. <laughs> no, I'm currently sitting in jeans and t-shirt. <laughs> what am I wearing? I'm wearing like these basketball shorts and a white t-shirt. Yeah, well, like I just got a job working for my cousin as his office person. Yeah. And my first question was, what do I have to wear? And he was like, you can wear whatever you want. And I wore like a t-shirt with dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets the other day. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you said I could wear whatever I wanted. So I did. At one of my jobs, because I work two jobs, and one of them's like on call, I can wear whatever I want there. So yesterday when I was there, I definitely 100% looks like I did not have a home. Like <laughs> I, I wore sweatpants, like this ugly gray shirt. I wore blue button up over it. I wore like pink beanie. Like I looked like I was not there to do any work. Well, I worked in restaurants for so long that I just have a bunch of like black t-shirts and jeans. Oh, yeah. So it's like, well, I'm going to wear what I have. Right. And I'm like still recovering from like making my life a mess, you know, from being an active addiction that I can't afford new clothes. Listen, listen, <laughs> I, I was thinking, I was like, Beth, what does Beth and I, what do we have in common? And I feel like we have a lot in common. I feel like we both always have a lot going on. <laughs> and we always have. <laughs> like, you know, it's always been very different, but it's always been a lot. <laughs> yes, it's always been different, but it's always been a lot. Yeah. And, it, and it never ends. I feel like for both it of us. Does. You know, but I will say, like, I remember when I was in college and I had mono and 22 credits. Again, different, <laughs> but a lot. <laughs> I like was sobbing to you one day about how I never was going to finish and I felt so overwhelmed. And you just looked at me and you said, Beth, you're turning in all your assignments. You're doing your work. You're getting it done. And I cannot tell you how many times in my life, like I have been down mm -hmm. and heard this little 
voice in the back of my head say, Beth, you're turning in your assignments. You're getting it done. Mm, oh my God. I just you know? got chills a little bit. And it's just like, and like, it's helped me in my recovery. I'm not going to lie. I make recovery look easy in a mm-hmm. lot of, mm-hmm. you know, and that's in social media presence. But like, I stand in front of that beer cooler a lot. I have using dreams a lot. Mm-hmm. I think about drugs a lot because, and I think about how they were fun at first because they were, they always are. Yeah. And then I think my life went to shit. I don't want to do that again. When I think, you know, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I think that you're turning in your assignments, you're getting your shit done. And it's like, it's a metaphor in so many ways, but like you just looking at me and being like, Beth, shut the fuck up. You're doing your assignments (laughs) just like has gotten me through so much in my life. And I just like, it's like that little support that people don't know when they just say stuff like that, how much it can resonate for the rest of someone's life. Yes, that I, I also have moments like that. I remember also in college. Wow. What a fucked up time. (laughs) <laughs> I was really, really, really down on myself. I think it was boy-related because everything was boy-related. Okay. And I remember Anna Bailey, and Anna and I are pretty close now, but we were not that close in college. Mm-hmm. And, and she said to me, I'll never forget, she said, Victor, you're a catch. Like, you, you need to give yourself more credit. And I yeah. just did not believe her but for some reason it stuck with me and literally till this day just like you said I'll think about that and I'll be like oh my god you know she believed in me why 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 shouldn't I believe in me exactly exactly yeah yeah it definitely I'll tell you and Anna like oh that girl has a heart of gold anytime I was upset over a stupid boy she would take my ass my crying ass off campus and buy me a McFlurry she was oh great. My God. And we all know like getting <laughs> off that campus was not easy. <laughs> I know. I know. Especially like, oh, it's such a hole sometimes. But I'll tell you, I like have been gone long enough that I only see it through rose colored glasses. Really? Yes. I like all the bad is just like such a minimal water under the bridge at this point. I only see the good in it now because, it, because it's been only 10 years. It's been a really long time. Yeah, but I like, so I worked with this girl over the summer who goes there now. And I like walked myself up to her mom and I said, yeah, I went to Emory and Henry. I graduated from there. And then I said, oh, I guess it's not a great sign that I work here full time. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. And then her mom just sort of looked at me and I said, I'm going to go away now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, Asia and I are are good friends, and Asia was like, "No, she's she thinks it's funny you said that." And I was like, "I don't know." She didn't really say anything <laughs> to me. <laughs> you know what, though, I feel like that brings up such a good point: is that like we all went to this school, and I feel like you know we all kind of have an idea of where we think our life is going, but life does not go the way that you think it's going. Oh my god! You know? it doesn't. Like, I live with my mom. <laughs> yeah. I'm a 31-year-old recovering addict living with my mother. I'm and a 30-year-old who was married for literally two months and got in- <laughs> divorced. Like you're a, you, excuse me, you're a divorcee. You can make Div- yours sound romantic. <laughs> divorcee, it does sound romantic, you're right. Right? You're the Diana Ross. You can make it sound romantic. 
<laughs> I, I, however, am a recovering addict who lives in my mom's spare bedroom and drive a car that's held together by duct tape. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I don't have an iPhone. But I <laughs> am actually okay with where I live because, or where I am in life right now because it's very freeing to, like, not have any roots. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean by not having any roots? So, like, the car's not my name, the apartment's not my name, cell phone's not my name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the stakes feel kind of lower. My job mm. is to stay sober, basically, mm. and to like clean, clean myself up and to get my life back on track. And, like, you know, everyone. So like you start out your life and you have these expectations and the expectations are like, go to college, Mm -hmm. don't fail. Well, I failed. Right. And my mom always says, you didn't fail. You didn't fail. Well, okay. I did. In society standards, I failed. I think I I kind of agree. Not with the (laughs) idea of like, yeah, you fucking failed, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) But by society standards, I failed. But yeah, I think, and I think that's fair to say. And I think we all fail. And I think that's okay. And that's the thing is it's okay that I did because I'm putting it back together and I'm realizing like what I want now. And like I was on a path Mm -hmm. and it's what I thought I wanted. And now I have no idea what I want. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with like figuring out, like falling back in love with stuff or falling in love with new things or really point just getting my mental health back on track are there moments where that's both exciting and scary yeah and i cry a lot about grieving my old life mm-hmm. i i um, feel that yeah it is a uh, i mean i miss richmond i miss the you know i'm grieving the life i didn't get to have with evan mm-hmm. i miss i miss my friends i miss You know, it's not that I don't have independence with my mom. I absolutely do, but I do live with her. Sure, it feels like a different life. It's a completely different life, and I'm a completely different person. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a home, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because Richmond, I lived in Richmond for eight years. Yeah, that's a very long time to live someplace in one place. Right, and all my friends are there. I also am, am exploring new things. I'm making new friends, and... And I'm reconnecting with old friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah, and that's been great. And I think you should definitely commend yourself because I think it's hard enough to live in a different place and meet new people and, you know, set roots or whatever. But it's an entirely different thing when you're doing that and you have the added pressure of, you know, living with a disease and I, by disease, you know, I'm talking about addiction because it is a disease and I feel like you're rocking it, you know, you're pushing through it and you're doing your best. And I think, damn, like she's strong. I'll tell you, getting sober during a pandemic is horrific Um, Mm -hmm. because there's this whole, and I recommend everyone listen to this. It makes me cry every time. It's a YouTube video called um, The Opposite of Addiction is Connection. Mm-hmm. And it's Johan something. I can't remember. 
last name, Kari, I think. It's a TED talk and it's like 15 minutes. And he talks about like they did studies on Vietnam vets coming back and how, you know, they all were on a bunch of essentially morphine. But how once they were integrated back in society, it was easy for them to get off the morphine because they were connected with people again. Mm -hmm. And how that connection and that reaching out and that just having a support system helps so much more than anything else does. And like, I have learned like, I mean, you've known me, what? We just talked about 11 years, oh God, 12 yeah, years, 11, right? 12 years. Like how often have I reached out for help when I'm upset? I don't. Like I don't yeah. do that. And like my mom told me since I've come back from rehab, she's seen me cry more than she has since I was a little kid. Wow. Yeah. She was like, because I've always been pretty stoic unless I can't like hold my tears in. Yeah. And like I do reach out now. When I'm at my absolute lowest, but I still do it. And like, I I had this great therapist in rehab and I was honest with her about stuff. And I'd never done that with a therapist before. And I had, I have a therapist now and I see him every week and he, I'm open and honest with him and it kills me and I hate him, but I also love him. Let me tell you what this man said to me, Victor. The second time I ever met him, he said to me, you hold everything inside, but you read people really well. Sir, it is nine in the morning. Don't read me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I just started laughing. That's accurate. I would say that's very accurate. <laughs> no, that's why I started laughing. And he goes, why are you laughing? And I said, because I guess I have to come back because you're going to fix me. <laughs> you're going to fix me, right? That's your job. <laughs> well, also because like you've known me for two weeks and that's the, I was like, this is the second time we've ever met and you just like, said my whole personality (laughs) because you're not wrong sir (laughs) you you know what though I feel like what you're saying just is another reminder that it all comes down to relationships like relationships are the core of everything and it makes sense connection connection when we're born we connect to our birth giver our mom immediately Mm-hmm. immediately and that's what keeps us alive and so yeah. you know they i know they told us this a lot of a lot in grad school you know with social work is that you can learn this theory you can learn that theory you can learn cbt you can learn whatever it's all going to come down to the relationship if there's no relationship you're not going to get anywhere yeah mm-hmm. and so like when i was doing mental health work I like had, I mean, I had difficult, difficult clients, of course, and I had a client no one would work with and I would work with them. And, you know, I had one client who someone was like, how do you get them to do what you want? And I'm like, because I just talked to them. Yeah. (laughs) You treat them like a person. (laughs) Right. Like, cause I don't treat them like they're five, even though they're, you know, obnoxious, but it's wild. I know. And it's definitely like, Like I've learned to not take relationships for granted. Romantic relationships or? All relationships Mm. for granted. And like, it's funny, like some of the people I thought would stay in my life once I got sober just disappeared. Yeah. And some people I thought would disappear have stayed. It's interesting. So I feel like I 
have not dealt with addiction, but I will say for me, a major or pivotal moment in my life, obviously, was my divorce. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm noticing so many similarities in that, like, I feel like I lost certain people that stopped talking to me once I left my ex-husband. Yeah. And just now, like, just like, you know, you're dealing with addiction every day. I feel like I'm still dealing with this. I thought I had completely moved on and that I had learned my lesson and everything. But it wasn't until recently that I realized, like, oh, my God, Victor, like, you don't really know who you are right now. Because I was different when I was in the relationship. And I feel like, honestly, I felt kind of dormant. I feel like I wasn't able to fully be myself when I was with John. Mm -hmm. And before John... I was 26, so I'm not 26 anymore. Right. So so I'm like, who the fuck am I? And I'm just now realizing, like, oh, my God, I really don't know what my identity is now. Well, and then I'm sure, because I find myself doing this, too, like, after, and especially immediately after, there was overcompensation Mm -hmm. to be, like, perfectly okay. Oh, yeah. To be like, all right, that's over. I'm moving on. I'm doing this for me. Right. Um, Look how great I am. Look how great I'm doing. I'm doing great. And like, so you don't give yourself time to like grieve things. And like, like I'm learning, like, you know, because I also I've also been diagnosed with bipolar, too. Yeah. And um, and so I'm I'm learning to deal with that sober. And I've been struggling with mental illness, I mean, my whole life. Mm-hmm. But it, um, now that I'm sober, it's just like, I mean, I'm on, you know, mental health medication, but like, shit, drugs now called numb this. Yeah. And it's just not, it's not. So like my moods change and, and it just goes up and down pretty severely every once in a while. And so, but I'm also learning like that it's okay to grieve things like it's like my nickname was wild card bath and it's okay to miss wild card bath. It's okay. You know, it's okay to miss those stupid days when I was being an asshole because that's a part of who I was and it's okay to grieve that part. So like, it's okay if you like who you were with John, it's okay to grieve who you were when you were 26 and you never got to fully spread your wings. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to like, even if it's like stupid little things, it's okay to miss those stupid little things because grief doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And it's so weird because at your core, I think you know you're the same person, you know? But so much of you changes. And I feel like when you hear stories about something you did five or six or seven years ago, it's almost out of body because you're not the same person anymore. So it's like, oh my gosh, I did say that or I did do that. Yeah, I think for me, it's a lot of like, you know, people in active addiction are assholes. Like they just are. Mm -hmm. Self-centered and always looking for the next fix and that sort of stuff. And like, I am not an asshole. I'm a lot of things. I'm a lot of things. We'll we'll do that. But I am am a good person and I know that. Mm-hmm. And I was not for a long time. 
So it feels really good to be a good person again. Mm. Do, do you feel, I mean, this might be a little paradoxical to what we just said, but do you feel more like yourself? I feel more stable is one thing I can say. I'm more stable than I've ever been in my whole life. So like, even though my moods are up and down and that sort of thing, I am, I live with my mom. I feel I'm very, very safe, you Mm -hmm. know? And that's a feeling. I can't remember the last time I felt safe like this. Maybe it was when I lived with Taryn when I first moved to Richmond. Oh yeah. And then I also, cause I, cause living with Taryn, you know, she just made me feel safe. She's, Taryn. And then I also like, yeah, I'm more, despite everything always being up and down, I'm more, I laugh easier. And even though like, I hate it, I cry easier. You know, I'm more in touch with who I really am as a person. Mm -hmm. And that feels good. I would imagine it's sort of like you're out of the woods, sort of. Yes. So like, you know, everyone talks about the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. I lost that light for a very long time. And I just, ne- I was like, what's the point? And now, even at my lowest, that light is still there. Mm-hmm. Now, and it's closer than it's ever been. So that feels really good. And um, I think the best part about sobriety is uh, I have my sister back in my life. Oh, yeah. How I've been very curious about how she's doing because she had a horrible, horrible car accident. So (laughs) Carolyn just cannot win this year. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she had her car accident. She like broke the base of her skull. She broke her wrist, her foot and eight ribs. Damn. Eight ribs. I don't know. Enough ribs. To make yeah, like a rack of ribs. She looked extremely rattled. Oh my God, she looked so bad. But her eyelashes look great. <laughs> and so then she's back at work. Then she, so she was in the ICU for a while. It was, it was bad. But then I like called her one day while she was in the hospital. And she started making this horrible sound. And I was like, Dad, what happened? What happened? And he was like, oh, she's choking on a biscuit. Oh my God. And I was like, okay, she's going to be fine. <laughs> so, so I went to visit her and I helped take care of her for a little bit. And then not long, like a couple of days. That sounds like I was like some hero. I wasn't, I think I, I was there for two days. Mm-hmm. But mom took care of her a lot on her weeks off. And then, so then she got an ingrown toenail removed because all of her deductible was, her out-of-pocket deductible was mm-hmm. met. So then she sliced her hand open on a can of beans. Holy shit, what? Yeah. She's just like, 2021 is just beating my sister with like a broom handle. How did she do that? I guess, I don't know. She, I don't know. She's like, that's something I would do. That is not something Caroline would do. That's so weird. So then later she fell down and busted her stitches. Ouch. I know. She just can't win. But she got her stitches removed. She's just trying to limp along to make it through the end of the year. But she's doing all right. She's coming up for Thanksgiving. I'm excited for that. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, we had a little family reunion. She came for that. My cousin 
Olivia has a baby, a 10 month old mm-hmm. and um, Caroline loves babies. So she's all about that baby when, um, when she's up here visiting. Oh my God. I love babies too. He's really cute. He's got these, he was born. So my official sober date for everything is January 5th. Mm-hmm. He was born January 12th. I always say that we're the same age. Right. Uh, yeah. So I was in rehab, right? And I don't have my phone mm-hmm. because you can't have your phone in rehab. I was like, I got a letter saying, hey, the baby was born. Oliver, his name is Oliver. And I was like, oh my God, send me a picture. So my mother drew me a picture of him. <laughs> and then she, a couple of weeks later, drew me an updated picture of him. She drew you a picture. She drew when... me a picture of this baby. Was she joking? Was this a joke? You know my mother. No. <laughs> That's hilarious. No. And she, and I mean, like it was a half joke, you know, but I said, I said to her, <laughs> I said, why don't you send me a picture of this baby? And she goes, well, you don't have your phone on you. Mother, you grew up with a camera. Oh my God. Okay. So that reminds me, I'm not going to reveal who the person is, <laughs> but there was someone that we went to college with. That was a habitual liar. She would lie literally about what she had for breakfast. Like there were, there was absolutely no reason to lie, but she would lie. Right. And apparently she was trying to tell people that she went on a trip somewhere and she like texted a photo, but the photo that she texted was obviously not her at the actual place. She, she took a photo of a painting of that place. Oh, no, she didn't. Oh, come on. I know. <laughs> I love when people get... Like, like that's some effort. That is some effort, but it's also bizarre because the stakes don't exist. Why are you lying? <laughs> that's wild. That's why. I think it's hilarious, though. You know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, because there's, there's like... It's stuff like that that, like, maybe at one point would have bothered me. But, like, now I'm just like, you know what? Go on. <laughs> in, the, in the grand scheme, that's that's not really that big. I did work with this girl who told everyone that she was a teacher. So the restaurant was her part-time job. Yeah. And I don't know why. This girl, like, really rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> And I like, I don't know. There was just something about her that rubbed me the wrong way. And I found out she wasn't a teacher. She was, she was a teacher's aide. (laughs) And so I like just made it a point to like casually let everyone we work with know that she was a teacher's aide instead of a teacher. Yeah. (laughs) Because it just really irked me because that's a perfectly respectable job. It is. So it's like, why even make up that? But I think it's because she would do things like, I can only work one weekend shift because I'm going to be so tired during the week. But she was a teacher's aide for a fourth grade class. <laughs> so, she, so she wasn't like, she wasn't like grading, helping someone grade papers. Yeah. She was a glorified babysitter, which again, <laughs> perfectly respectable job. Not hating on teacher's aides. Like, you're needed. But just be honest about what your job is. I'm like, maybe it's because I, like, am living this program of rigorous honesty now. hmm 
And she also went around and told everyone she like had never done drugs before in her life. And I like happened to know someone she partied with. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> now you're just a liar. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, sure. Well, my friend Caroline, she was telling me recently that she was talking to a guy on one of the dating apps and he told her that he is like the head of TV or, or something like that. Like he has a head of TV job position. So she's like, oh, that's pretty cool. But she found out later that actually he works part time as, <laughs> as like some sort of TV assistant. And then his main job is he's like security, I think, for like a store or a mall or something like that. Which, again, perfectly respectable. Yeah. Like, even if he was flipping burgers at McDonald's, <laughs> perfectly respectable job. Just it, be honest about it. Just be honest. But also, let's let's be clear. If I'm on a dating app and someone tells me, yeah, I'm a TV exec or I'm the head of TV, I'm going to call bullshit. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, like, decidedly... I mean, like, my... If I, the moment I like meet someone new, like friends or anything like that, I immediately am like, also, I'm sober and went to rehab. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just put this on the table now. Right. Because when I first got out, I was really, I didn't live out loud like that. Yeah. And I was never put in any weird situations because again, it's, it's a pandemic, right? So like, it's not like I'm going out very often, but like, I realized when I started working the restaurant again, when I first got out, that I had to be honest like that because I always got a shift beer. Mm-hmm. Or that was part of the agreement is like, you got a shift beer at the end of your shift. And so I immediately said, oh, well, I don't drink. I just got out of rehab because I, w- I wanted to be very clear that like, no, I don't drink. And it's not because, you, you know, like it's, And most of the time people are like, well, it's not your business. And absolutely, if someone says, I don't drink, you shouldn't ask. It's not your business. Don't ask them. Oh, but people will definitely ask. (laughs) Oh, people will definitely ask. It's not your business. So that's just a PSA. Don't ask. If someone says they don't drink, don't ask because it's not your fucking business. But literally, I I also don't think there should be a stigma again, because I, I never thought I was so embarrassed when it first happened, but it can happen to anyone. Oh, yeah. And it's common. Yeah. Addiction is so common. I am smart and I'm a good person and I come from a good family, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, there's, but it happened to me. I feel and like so, there's this stigma that these sort of things happen to people that have like broken families or yep. they're poor yep. or must have been around bad people. Yeah. But that's not how it happens. It just happens. And it happened to me. And I have decided, like, you know, I've always been very open about my struggles with mental illness. Mm -hmm. And so I don't even know when it happened, but one day I just decided to be open about my struggles with addiction as well. Mm -hmm. Because there shouldn't be a stigma about it. And if someone decides to judge me for being an addict, well, you can also fuck off. Yeah, and that says a lot about them. Right. So when I left my ex-husband, and when I literally, 
Like, I was dipping a toe back into the pool of dating. I was in no way ready to date. But I, w- I would meet guys, right? And I felt so compelled to tell them right off the bat, like, blah, 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 blah. This has happened. This has happened. This has happened. This has happened. Yeah. And I think I felt obligated. I felt obligated because obviously I wanted to be respectful to them. But I also felt like this is a huge part of me right now and my story. And I feel like I can't just not bring this up right away. But it's interesting because now, like almost two years later, you know, time has passed. And so I make a conscious effort now when I do meet a guy or if I meet a guy on an app, I don't jump right into the story because I recognize that Yes, it's major, and it has played a major role in my life. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to put that card on the table until I think it naturally gets to that point. But I feel like with you, with addiction, and it's something that you, you know, you're challenged by every day. And because, let's be honest, things like drinking are so pervasive in our society. Right. It's like, how do you? date or talk to anyone without telling them because that's all people do is drink, 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 drink. Yeah. And I live in Beer City. I live in Asheville. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to rehab right behind Wicked Weed Brewing. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's kind of cool. So, okay, is it? <laughs> but... It definitely, it's just something, and it's something also like I worked with a girl who was in recovery at Toast, a Richmond restaurant, who just very much was like, yep, I'm in recovery. And she was just very honest about it. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, I messaged her and told her that like, she's an inspiration to me to just live out loud like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 80 to 90% of people relapse. And, that I don't want to be that statistic. Yeah. And I think it's noteworthy to say that relapse is common, like you said, and it's almost normal. Like even with like, you know, I know we talk a lot about the stages of change in psychology and social work, Mm -hmm. but one of the stages is maintenance. And a part of maintenance is relapse because... It's just what happens sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had, you know, and it's weird because like when you're in rehab, you know that statistic, but you don't think anyone you're with is going to relapse. Mm-hmm. But I, I had someone I went with die. I found that out recently. And I've had people I went with relapse and, and that sort of thing. It, it happens. But, you know, I wanted to say, I wanted to bring back to your, to your divorce, my you know, Victor, like you said in your introduction, like we've seen each other at our sloppiest and we absolutely. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say, like, I was talking to someone about you the other day and I wanted to say, I think, okay, marrying John was the best thing you ever did. Now, let me explain why. Mm-hmm. Because divorcing John was the first best thing you ever did because mm-hmm. I have watched you grow from someone who never stood up for themselves, who had no self-confidence, who didn't think they could ever make it on their own to a professional 
who lives by themselves, who knows their worth in ads tax, who is self-assured. I know. I'm just so proud of you and how far you've come. And so I think even though you're a divorcee, which is the only way you have to say that from now on, (laughs) I think it's will never be a bad thing. Like I literally, I just want to be honest with you. I literally have a tear going down (laughs) my face right now. Um, Well done. Because, I mean, I can't really put into words, but I agree, I think, with what you say. And on a lot of days, I have a lot of regrets. And I'm like, why did I do this? Why did I do this? Why did I do this? Because I'm still living with a lot of the financial outcomes that resulted from being with him. But at the same time, I recognize, you know, that change in myself. And I do feel like a stronger person and I feel like a different person. And I'm almost going to start crying. But I think of myself, you know, back then, just two years ago. Yeah. And how different I was and how naive I was. You know? the change in you is so tangible. It's inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. You really are the Diana Ross in this room. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I'm, I know you. And, you know, it's, it's another, like, it's one of those things, like, you know, we have seen each other at our, oh my God, it's just mess. But it's been good, and I'm grateful to have you in my life. Likewise. And I think we're, you know, we're both just picking up the pieces. And all you can do, and you know this, is just take things one day at a time. Just, and sometimes just one minute at a time. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Like, Yeah. yeah, sometimes that's all you can truly handle. Like, I have a few things in the forecast that I'm a little concerned about, mm-hmm. but I can't, I really can't fathom that because there's more immediate things now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have those things too. But, you know, I just, it is what it is. I am where I am. I changed my number and I changed my address. So like <laughs> I'm just living <laughs> off the grid as you can be for 2021. <laughs> I love it though. Every time, every time I see you post on social media, I just think I, you can tell like you seem at peace and I know you're probably not always at peace, but I, I can see the, the change, you know? You know, it's, it's nice. My stepmom said the same thing when I saw her and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And my therapist in rehab said that before I left. And uh, my friend Tyler from rehab said that when I left too. And um, people keep saying that. And, and I like, I have this friend from high school who said, you know, that, that I've just always had this steadiness about me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't know, I'm just me. So like, I don't see it. But she said that, you know, it, it wavered for a while, but she sees it again. And it just, it makes me feel good because it makes me feel like I'm me again. Yeah, it's, it's reaffirming. Yeah. And like, and the thing is, no, things aren't always great. And I cry a lot. And, you know, I have my issues, but I'm, I'm in a good place. 
and I feel good. Something you said earlier when you talked about failure, one of my friends here in Philly actually told me, and it's something that I had kind of thought about, but it really sunk in, is he told me, he was like, Victor, you hit your rock bottom. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, think about it. You hit your rock bottom. You lost nearly everything. Yeah. It can't get worse. It can only go up. Yeah. And I thought about that and I was like, damn, you know, that's so powerful. And And kind of freeing. It's, yes, it's exactly. It's freeing. It's freeing knowing this really, really terrible sequence of events has happened and now the weight is slowly being lifted, you know? And, and you're still turning in your assignments. And yes, and I'm still turning in my assignments. I'm still living life. And I just think like 2020, and I know you've had really dark, dark places too. 2020 was unimaginable for me. 2019 ended with me getting married and there was this trajectory of where I thought my life was going. And then all of a sudden, with the snap of my a finger, literally, that all changed. And then the pandemic happened. And then this period of time where I really felt like I needed people around me and I needed that social contact, uh-huh. I co- couldn't really do it because we were in a pandemic. And right. so... I felt like I had to do a lot of processing on my own, which I'm thankful for now, but God, it was, it was awful. Oh yeah. I mean, like, you know, I got a DUI and Mm -hmm. Evan left and that was mine. That was my rock bottom. And I hate led me to a DUI. Like I hate that. Yeah. But I don't regret it. And I know that sounds weird. But at the end of the day, the DUI is what pushed me to go to rehab. Mm-hmm. And it saved my life. It's like these things, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm such an idealist, but I, I truly think that things happen for a reason. Yeah. Yep. That DUI and getting arrested and that whole ordeal. I'm coming up on a year of that, actually. Next month will be a year. And wow. um, I know. So it's like kind of the combination of, when my whole life fell apart, the year of that is coming up next month. And so that feels very, it's, it's kind of put me in a weird headspace. Yeah. Cause also my, like my year, like this month is a year off drugs, but my whole year sober is um, January 5th. So like just my year it's coming up and it's just, it's big, you know? Oh, I'm just so, I'm tearing up again. (laughs) I'm just so happy that you're here. And I feel like, exactly like we've said a million times, we've always been able to bond over our mess. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I know you've shared in private some really dark, hard times and you're, you know, you've not been alone and it's hard, you yeah. know, there were days last year where I truly thought I was like, this is it. I yeah. think this, this is it. I think yeah. 
the best has already come. And Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in my car one day trying to go to the gym and it was raining and I couldn't leave my car. I just sat inside and I cried and I cried and I felt like, you know, this was the end. and This is the end of my story. Yep. And, you know, the thing is, though, like, it's not. It's not. And and in some ways, that's, it's like in that moment, you're like, fuck, but it's not the end of my fucking story, you know? Exactly, yeah. Something, something, even if it's the tiniest thing, it keeps you going, you know? Yeah. It's that little, little flame, that pilot flame that just stays there, that stays lit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I like saw this thing the other day that was like, people tell you to not live for other people, but fuck that. Live for other things. Live for other people. I found myself sometimes just living for my cat because no one likes my cat except me. You've met her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know? You've got to enjoy things, I think. Enjoy things. But you know, we've both just come so far and it, it's good. Things are good. You know, overall, <laughs> nothing's perfect. Nothing will ever be perfect. Mm-hmm. But, but those feelings mm-hmm. and those feelings, they'll come back, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But that's when you sit down and you're like, fuck me. Let's turn those assignments in. Exactly. I love, I love that theme. <laughs> I mean, that's what does it for me. You know, I just, and it's always in your voice. <laughs> oh, it is. I remember you and I went on a walk one day at in college and it was similar to this convo, but you said, you know, something along the lines of like, you're really inspiring to me. And I think it was in reference to, you know, paying for school on my own and yeah. not, not having a, a ton of support from my family and that's stayed with me because no one's ever said anything like that to me i meant it though i still mean it especially going to a small private bougie college oh god (laughs) who like okay the government well the government can but like richmond can't track me down to send Uh me like bills for court payments i owe but yeah. Emory and Henry can find me every <laughs> motherfucking address I move to. <laughs> They're like, we want our fucking money. Because <laughs> uh, I got one of those letters the other day. And I was like, I sorry, school payments are restarting. Student loan payments are restarting. God, they literally sent me an email on Friday night. <laughs> I'm like, how dare you? Like, yeah, it's so intrusive. I down to $14 a month. I'm never going to pay that loan off. <laughs> oh my God. That's my honest goal though. I can deal with 14 a month. $14 a month. I just started laughing. <laughs> what else? I'm going to pay it. But like, <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> Honestly, I'm inspired by that. I want that deal because... I have so many, uh, so many loans, and I know they're not going anywhere. And I know other people are like, hell yeah, I'm dedicated. Like, I have one friend that just finished off paying one of her private loans, and which is awesome, but I don't see that in the cards <laughs> for me. 
So for grad school, oh God, at least you have a master's to show for it. My dumbass dropped out of grad school. So, well, I was doing drugs, but I only took out FAFSA loans for grad school. So I don't have private loans. Me too. Thank God. Yeah. So everything just goes through the government. And they'll work with you. Hence the $14 a month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. It makes you so glad that you didn't take any like Sally Mae loans or any of that Yeah. Fuck her. She will never find me because I don't owe her shit. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So it's like one of them is $14 a month and one of them is like $120 a month. So I, I owe like... 140 a month or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Annoying, but... But totally reasonable. Reasonable, yeah. So we're nearing the end. So I have to ask you this question that I ask every single person that I okay. interview. And I have to say, this is the only time I've ever cried on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. But if you could interview anyone from your past, who would you interview and why? Oh, like my personal past? Yeah. Anyone at all. Or if you could interview, I don't know if interview is the right word. If you could catch up with anyone from your past, who would it be and why? Okay. This is so funny. It's my third grade best friend. <laughs> your third grade best friend. That's just, just obviously. I know. Specific. Her name is Noelle Rivard. And I just think about her periodically all the time. Like, you know how sometimes you, you go back and you just think, oh, about your childhood. She always pops into mind when I think about my childhood. Mm-hmm. And her father was the manager of the local Walmart. Mm-hmm. She's was the first person I had a successful sleepover with. <laughs> a successful one? Yeah, I always got taken home. Oh, oh wow. That's intense. Well, I would get homesick oh, and cry. Oh. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm a homebody. I'm still a homebody. <laughs> so... It would be Noelle Rivard just to like, because I can't find her on Facebook. <laughs> I can't find her on Instagram. I think I made her up. So oh my God. I would want to know if she was even real <laughs> and just see like how her life turned out because they moved away. So yeah. I would just want to see like how her life turned out because she, she was really cool and she was one of the popular kids and I was not but she was my best friend. Well, I so. like that. And I think, I think honestly, it's so devastating. Like when friends would move away, it was the and end of the world. Especially when you're that young because you're, you have yeah. no control over it. No control over it. And back then we didn't have cell phones and texting and social media. Right, right. You so they only had a house gone. phone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's who I would catch up with. I really like that. Yeah. So. Well, Beth, it's been so great catching up with you. Me too. I'm not at all surprised that we have this super emotionally charged episode together. Me neither. (laughs) Well, I love you. I love you too. And let's do this again. And next time we don't have to necessarily record it. 
Okay, that sounds good. Because there are other things to talk about that should not be recorded. Oh, yes. I definitely have a few things that should not be recorded but need to be talked about. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, have a great night. I love you. All right. I love you, too. Bye. Bye.